The content shared on this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional, medical, or mental health advice. Our licensed psychotherapist provides insights based on their expertise, but individual experiences vary. Perinatal mood disorders and intrusive thoughts are serious and complex topics that require personalized assessment and treatment. If you're facing perinatal mood disorders, intrusive thoughts, or have thoughts of self-harm, harm to your baby, or suicide, seek immediate help. Consult qualified healthcare professionals or crisis hotlines. In the United States, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Listening to this show doesn't establish a therapist-client relationship. The licensed therapist isn't liable for actions based on the show's information. By continuing to listen, you agree to this disclaimer. Rock, rock. Rock me, mama. Are we on? You're on, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, welcome back to Rock Me Mama. I'm Macy. And I'm Amy. Today we have a really, really special show for you. Um, We've been talking about this a little bit on our story, if you follow us on Instagram. But we have a psychotherapist. She happens to be my best and oldest friend. Her name is Megan. And she is... Incredible. We grew up together in Connecticut. We met when we were like nine years old. Dang. In fourth mm-hmm. or fifth grade, in fifth grade. And within like one day, we were like, and you will be my best friend. <laughs> we said 30 the- years later. <laughs> we said those words to each other. You will be my best friend. <laughs> um, we both had like braces. We both had the same kind of retainers. We just were tragic in all the same ways. Yeah. We put um, studs on our clothing and our hats, and we had very eclectic (laughs) style choices. And uh, we just kind of got each other through the worst, most awkward times of our lives. And Megan has since become a mother of three. She has her own. She has three kids, a wonderful husband who's also a great friend of mine, Peter. And she has her own practice and became a psychotherapist. And... She's been through a lot of the, you know, all the mom things that we're, we're going to talk about and that we do talk about on this show. She's been through firsthand and she works with people on their mental health. Mm-hmm. So we thought it would be amazing to have her come and talk to you guys about postpartum depression, intrusive thoughts and baby blues and everything surrounding, you know, your mental state when you're a mother. Um, but I want to introduce psychotherapist Meg. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. This is such a great show. I love it. Yay. And I'm very happy to be able to participate. So I'm looking forward to these questions. We're happy to have you here. Tell us just a little bit about why and how you became a psychotherapist and why you chose to do therapy. Okay. So um, I, I knew probably around 18 that I wanted to be a therapist and I wanted to help specifically teenagers yeah. So I, you know, once I took my first psychology class in college, I was like, that's it. That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I've pursued it ever since. And now that I'm old, 40, <laughs> I have had three, three kids. I've been married 17 years and I, I really have expanded my practice to adults. Yeah. Um, so, and, and specifically moms. I love working love with that. other women and moms. Yeah. Moms need help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so (laughs) it's hard. Yeah. We we all do. And like, I think it's so now that we're, we we're all moms, you've been a mom longer than all of us here, but 
now that once you become like join the mom club, you realize how much information is not out there mm-hmm. and how isolating and lonely it can be mm-hmm. um, when you, you know, when you join this world. And so I think it's so, so important that women talk about it and have validation or understanding or me too. And yep. And all, all aspects just feel like you're not crazy for yeah. thinking these things that sometimes feel really fucking crazy, L- literally crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we asked the listeners to bring us some questions and they brought us so many questions. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have producer Morg read out a couple questions. We'll start with one and you can answer and we'll chime in and then we'll just move on from there and we'll try to get to all of your questions uh, while we have Meg here. Um, we're really happy you came because it's, I know it's nine o'clock at night for you and you're stuck at your office. So oh. we appreciate you and we know you need to get home to your kids. So we're going to do these questions and hopefully it will shed some light on some issues. All right, Morg. All right. Um, it's so hard to choose. Y'all had so many great questions. Um, I think one that's sticking out to me that I'd love to, to ask first is if you had a postpartum depression once, will you have it again? Ooh, I liked that one too. Yeah, that's a great question. And I just want to comment on normalizing this. It's one in seven women will experience a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. So it's really, really common. Um, And uh, postpartum depression, you know, you're more at risk if you've had depression or if you have like a family history of depression. So that makes you more likely to begin with. If you've had it once, there is a greater likelihood that you'll you'll experience it with another pregnancy, but it's not necessarily the case. You may yeah. not. Yeah. Every pregnancy is different. Every circumstance is different. A lot of it could be situational too. Yeah. So it, you know, if your situation changes and you have the right support, you may not experience it in the same way. And also, the second time, you know at least what to expect, even though it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You're not as you can't be as shell shocked yeah. as far as the actual birth and the feelings that you get. I mean, I don't know. Well, you just did it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's so different because, yes, you're right, but it's so different. Like, both births were so different. The kids are so different. Um, their temperaments have been so different. Their sleep, like, everything has been different. So I could see how it could happen a second time and maybe even not a first time. Is that a thing, too? That is totally a thing. And that's yeah. actually even more off-putting for moms because they're like, wait, this was fine the first time around. Why is this so hard the second time? So their expectations don't align with what they've already experienced. Cause my, like my personal experience this postpartum has like, I've hit rock bottom. I feel like, like this one's been so much harder than my first. And that has led to so many, like, what the hell? Like I've done this before. I've been a mom. Why is this so much harder for me? But he's a different kid. And so it has been harder. And I really obviously it's unfair of me to say like if such and such had been different I probably would have been diagnosed with PPD because I can't label that on myself and there's no way of knowing that for sure but I could see how like if I hadn't had the village that I have and the supportive husband that's able to stay at home with me that I have and my my firstborn around that I feel like I have to be I have to be present for and I have to be as happy as I can be for if I hadn't had all those circumstances I, I think it would have yeah. put me in yeah. a much worse mental state because I was already in a pretty bad one. Yeah. So I don't know. There, you do like know what to expect, but at the same time, it's like, 
or at least with my son, he was like, "Sup, mom, I'm gonna rock your world because I'm not what you thought I was gonna <laughs> yeah, be." Yeah, and I'm not gonna. Sleep. I'm not gonna. <laughs> sleep yeah, at I'm all. not gonna sleep, and breastfeeding is gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done. So I mean, that must be though, Meg. Like, there must be contributing. Like, if your birth story was traumatic, mm-hmm. if your, um, if your kid is colic, I mean, those have to contribute, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, I think. You can get uh, postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder from a really? really traumatic birth. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I feel, mean, yeah. It can also bring up past traumas. So you never know how your birth is going to affect you or, and every birth's different. Every child gets different parents too. Yeah. Because you're Ooh. in a different point in that's life true. every time that's you have a child. That's very true. That's very true. And I feel like when you do struggle with anxiety and depression, you're already thinking about that when you get pregnant, like when you get pregnant Mm. and you get those hormones, you're already like, you know, you're prone to that. So I feel like it's a perfect storm of not only it happening, but you're thinking it's going to happen. I mean, for me, I, I, I fully expected myself to kind of lose my mind. And then I did. (laughs) (laughs) I lived up to it. I didn't let myself down. Yeah. So did you feel prepared because you expected it? No. Well, m- my story, you know, you know my story and the listeners know my story. I just, my nightmare was having a, an induction and having a C-section. And I think that I thought about that so much because of my age, because she was, I was 41 weeks when they induced me. I kept thinking about it and I was like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I kept hearing other mothers that had gone through it. And when it happened to me, I was so like, first of all, just scared because it was traumatic. Like I thought we were both going to die and she was in distress three different times before they called the emergency. And so it was not the birth. And I know this sounds like dumb, but it was just, I feel, I felt robbed of my birth story. Like I I felt like I was robbed of the movie experience. And I love talking to Megan about that because she's had vaginal births, but Mm -hmm. she's like, it wasn't a movie for me either. Like yeah. it was no way, no, like no birth. I think like C-section moms mm-hmm. really like glamorize vaginal births mm-hmm. when like it, it's arguably harder. I don't know. I mean, there's, I think all birth is trauma. Oh yeah. And so I think so too. I feel that like I had it in my mind that I was going to be this like wilderness woman who would just like push and roar and <laughs> scream and just the baby would come flying out and then I would cry and, and be able to hike to, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. But it was the opposite. It was that I, I literally couldn't even pick myself up out of bed for three weeks. I mean, I needed help to do everything and it felt, it made me feel so helpless and so insecure and so vulnerable, which is not how I like to feel. I do not enjoy feeling vulnerable. It is very evident in my personality like it is not something I enjoy Mm -hmm. and to have to lean on Nick so much Mm -hmm. and have to lean on my friend so much and people to help me put me into a state of depression and she didn't sleep you know she literally didn't sleep for the first year and a half of her life which is a factor (laughs) which yeah how much so I know this is one of the questions but how much is sleep deprivation involved in postpartum so there are so many it's very multifaceted. So sleep, of course, contributes to mood dysregulation and feeling just not yourself. But, you know, there's also the hormonal piece happening. Yeah. And and there's the other factors like history of depression, 
genetics, yeah. your you know your circumstances. So it all plays a part. I wouldn't say sleep is the you know, not getting enough sleep is going to necessarily lead to postpartum depression, but certainly is going to make you more vulnerable. Yeah, Morg, wasn't there a question that was like, how long? If how long does it? Do you know that it's postpartum? Like, oh yeah, as opposed to like baby blues. Like they la- baby blues is like a few days or something. What was that question? Um, this one right here says, at what point in time is it no longer postpartum depression, but just depression? Uh, I think yeah. we all relate to that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. this person specifically said three years later, and I'm wondering um, with how long I've been struggling um, and if it's technically still postpartum related. That's a great question. Um, so typically postpartum, you know, anxiety or depression is diagnosed within weeks to, you know, up to one year after, but that it's really sticky because you could have postpartum depression and not even know you have it. And then three years later be like, what is this? Yeah. It hasn't cleared up since I've had the baby or I'm, I've been anxious or obsessed having obsessive compulsive thoughts since I had the baby. Yeah. And so you may not be diagnosed with postpartum depression three years later, but it could have been, postpartum depression that was untreated or postpartum anxiety yeah. that was untreated. Do people mostly on go, go on medication for postpartum depression if it's if it's legitimately postpartum depression? I think medication is often a part of the treatment. Yeah. You know, there's I think there's cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can treat it. Just supportive therapy is really important at that time. Yeah. But um, it it medication is often a part of the treatment. Yeah. And post- depending on the severity. Yeah. Sure. You were saying when, when I was talking to you on the phone about this a little bit, I was, I don't know what I said, but you were saying that it was really normal to have feelings of hurting your child. Yeah. Isn't that one of the <laughs> biggest yeah. or the act? Well, get to that unless this is part of the answer. What are the symptoms? Yeah. What are the symptoms? Postpartum. So, depression? yeah. So, Postpartum depression is really a mood disorder that is similar to depression, right? Mm -hmm. So feeling worthless, like I suck as a mom might be one of the thoughts you're having, or, you know, I I don't want to live anymore might be a thought. Um, Just typical depressive symptoms amplified by the postpartum period. Um, Anxiety can have different, you know, there's different types of the anxiety that could come up. And often there's these intrusive, obsessive thoughts. So, I think it's something like 91% of women and 88% of men have, you know, thoughts like, oh my gosh, I could hurt the baby. I could drop the baby. The baby could, you know, fall when I'm walking down the stairs. Those types of thoughts are actually really common. Yeah, that was for women. Definitely had that. Oh, I I still do. Yeah. uh, The biggest one for me is always the stroller down the hill. Like if I lose control of the stroller and that is a common, a common one. Yeah. And it's, and part of this, is protective, right? Because we want to protect yeah. our babies. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're thinking about everything and it's so amplified. What is the difference? I can't remember if this is a question that was asked, um, but what's the difference between baby blues and then postpartum depression? So the baby blues are really a period of about two weeks after the baby's born where you might be depressed, weepy, yeah. feel really, you know, sad, just not yourself. But if that doesn't clear up after about two weeks, 
then, I mean, I would say maybe three weeks at most, you yeah. do want to seek help. Okay. Yeah. That's why they give you all those things to fill out. Like every time mm-hmm. you go to the doctor after you have a kid, like they make you fill out this stuff and you're like, what the fuck? And then they charge like, you yeah. for it because insurance doesn't cover yeah. it. I don't, I, there was one, I can't remember, maybe like at the why it's one month checkup that I was filling out and I was like, they might come in here and talk to me about yes. this one. Oh, I like have lied on them just because I was like, I don't want them to no, like, talk I liked, to me, but I I'm tweaked, definitely wanting to kill myself. Yeah, I tweaked a few <laughs> answers. And even then I was like, these aren't all A pluses. <laughs> like, so they may come in here and sit me down yeah. for a second. <laughs> they did really, really important topic because women often do lie on those. I think, yeah. you know, it's kind of pretty well known that people are scared that their baby is going to get taken mm-hmm. away if they said, oh my gosh, I thought oh. of putting, you know, someone might think I've thought of putting the diaper on the baby's face. And that's just an intrusive thought. And it it isn't actually, if you're having those kinds of thoughts and they're really distressing to you, there is no evidence that it makes you any more likely to actually harm your baby. Yeah. Well, it's so that's our minds just go there. Like it's, yeah, I've had really fucked up thoughts. Yeah. And I, and I think like I would never even probably admit to some of the thoughts that yeah. I've had. I think because, a lot of moms would probably, I mean, I could say the yeah, same. Because it's just, you're like, why would that even cross yeah. my mind? And it's not even when you're thinking, you don't think about like, I actually want to do this. Right. They just go through your brain like a, like it's what a movie. It's, it's, it's and like, you're what, like what, what? Why would I even think of that? It's. I think it's just this sense of, I mean, you said this, it's, or maybe you did, I don't know. Either way. Protective. Yeah, yeah, it's protective. And like your entire existence is now keeping this thing alive and yeah. safe. And you love it so much it hurts. Yeah. And you can't, look. you literally can't fathom anything happening to him, her. Yeah. And I think like the extremity of those feelings has got to just lead to, but what if? Because mm-hmm. you, you don't even, I don't know. I don't even know if that makes sense. But I feel like that's like. But your feelings are, I mean, mm-hmm. I know personally, they're not my friends, but a f- my friend's friends lost a baby to SIDS this Ugh, year. Yeah. And even hearing that put me in a state when mm-hmm. I had Farah. Yeah. Like it was, she was, she was like a year or, or no, it was last year. It was not long ago. It was in the in the last two years, and I and Farrah was very young, and I remember hearing that and being like, "I can't handle hearing this." Yeah. So I can't even imagine yeah. how this woman hasn't killed herself. Is living. Yeah. yeah like that. Yeah. Those are the things that I think about, and it's like, it's fucked up. Yeah. Because now that I have a child, I know that I can't live without my child. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people do. Yeah. But I. I can't, and that's why the racing thoughts are so intense because it's like, I don't want to exist if she's gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we all do. Everyone in this room knows what I mean. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, and we'll get to the, what's, go on. I have a personal question that ties into this, if that's okay. Yeah, go on, Um, Mike. I think like, you know, hearing about, like dropping a baby or like rolling down the hill or um, something like that. And like something bad happening to your baby is like, I think that's something you hear about a lot. At least that's what I always kind of associated with. But my personal experience um, was things happening to me yeah. to where I wasn't going to be there to take care of him anymore. Yeah. Um, so this happened a lot when I, so I, I work in office in downtown Nashville and um 
was going in part-time and had like a pumping schedule and all that. And um, when I would pump, which I know those negative feelings could be a, you know, Pumping's a separate awful. thing, but even driving into the office, I would have the intrusive thought of literally like seeing a plane flying through the building I work in and me mm-hmm. like going down with it. Um, and so I think that's another aspect too, that maybe you don't, I yeah. haven't heard about as mm-hmm. much I've, of like, that's happened to me too. Yeah. Like something happening to me yep. or to Bill and I, to where we can't take care of him. Yeah. Um, so that's also yeah. difficult. So is that, uh, is that common? The same thing? Is that related? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, you know, postpartum obsessive thoughts and they're intrusive and they're repetitive and, you know, it could be, you know, just harm happening to you as well. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. I think about that too. I think about because I'm an older mom, cause I had her at 38. I think about her being 20 or 30 and me, dying and the pain that that will cause her. And I think, how could I be so selfish to do this to where now she's going to have to mourn me at a young age when my mom was 26, she'll, I'll have my mom. I mean, unless something happens, which, you know, again, you never fucking know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could all be hit by a car tomorrow or live forever, you know, until yeah. we're a hundred. But I always think about that too. Like wh- what a selfish thing to do to bring a child into the world when I'm going to die when she's not very old. Can I just interject and say, as much as I know you don't want to, I think you're too stubborn to die before but, then. Oh, I think please you're let me die. I know you let don't me want not to. get too old. Please. I know you don't want to be 100, but I could see you being like, you're going to turn 100 and be like, I don't want to fucking be, be here. Like, like my, I'm going to be like Nan. <laughs> Megan knows Nan really well. I'm going to be like Nan and be like, pull the plug. Yeah. And I'm like, Nan, there's no plug. You're still breathing on your own. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that'll there's be no you. plug to pull. But I, all jokes aside, I do. I understand. What <laughs> yeah. You're, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, well, fear of death is a really common fear. And when you have a child, you know, there's an added reason mm-hmm. yeah. why you want to when you why you want to be there yeah. for them. But we, you know, we also want to make sure that we're not catastrophizing, right? That we're yeah. not going down 20 years down the road and and thinking of everything bad that could happen. Mm-hmm. So we really quickly before we go on to a next question, I think the three of us could really use this right now because all three of our kids are starting preschool and because of gun violence and because of all the stuff that's been happening right now, I think all three of us probably struggle with every single day how we're going to drop them off. And you've been dropping your kids off at school. You know, your youngest is five. Well, almost five. Almost five. And so you've dealt with this firsthand. Like, what is something we can do for ourselves as an exercise or anything to not go there all day when our kids are at school, I think a lot of moms really need to f- have some sort of exercise to practice because of the how hard it is nowadays to drop your kid anywhere and not be with your kid. Yeah. So when my daughter, Harper, who is now a teenager, was in preschool, um, Sandy Hook shootings happened. And I remember yeah. having, you know, a lot of feelings and a lot of anxiety and stress um, around that. So this, it definitely hits close to home when we talk about this, but you know, there is this, we have to be able to continue to live and find balanced thinking. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate and it's a serious issue in our country. So we can't pretend that it's not. So, you know, obviously you want to make sure your school is following (laughs) security protocols and you feel comfortable with the school, but 
we also have to live. So when we ha- we're having those intrusive thoughts, we kind of have to learn to accept them. Yeah. And, and, you know, figure out what we need to do to self-soothe and calm ourselves down and then try to just let it go. I mean, like you said, you could get hit by a car walking to Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. We can't always be living in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard though. Like, and the guilt of like being like, I'm dropping her off for her, but more, mostly for me. Like, let's be honest. I'm dropping her off because I need time for myself and I need time to work. And like the guilt of that, if something were to happen, it just is like, that's constant in my head. Like you didn't have to, you dropped her off because you wanted to. And she's only two years old. Like these are the thoughts that I am constantly having. And I just don't know how to reconcile it. So it is good for her to go to preschool. That's what I was going to say. And it's, it's okay for it to be good for you too. So moms want to self-sacrifice all the time, but we have to put our oxygen masks on first yeah. in order to help those around us. So it's okay to say, I'd like a couple of hours in the morning <laughs> and you're going to get social emotional development yeah. and not have guilt about that. Yeah. It's a win-win. I, having spent the last two months or however long with you, you, if you continued with what you're doing right now, it wouldn't be good. No. For you. No. And therefore for her. Yeah. So by you sending her to school and it being good for you. Yeah. It's therefore good for her. You're, you're going to be a, but not that you're a bad mom right now. You're fucking phenomenal mom but you're gonna be a better mom yeah for it yeah and I think women a lot of women that I've spoken to really do struggle with the like how can I be a good mom and still accept that sometimes being a mom doesn't sometimes I'm very unhappy Mm -hmm. and like sometimes I really do miss myself and I feel like a lot of mothers that I've spoken to really struggle with the fact that we love our kids so much and they bring us so much joy. But sometimes motherhood is is really not very happy. And there's lots of moments where you feel very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of guilt that comes with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the postpartum piece too. People think, I'm, you know, women think, I'm going to have this baby. It's going to be amazing. Just my birth's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to have rainbows shooting out of my eyes. Yeah. And that's not what happens. Yeah. It's being a parent is the most amazing, beautiful experience, but it's also really hard. And you're still a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're an imperfect person. Mm-hmm. So you're going to mess up sometimes. And we all have to accept that we're just doing the best that we can. And that's you know, I think that's the real piece of this postpartum and postpartum anxiety. I mean, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. You have to kind of come to terms with very imperfect. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We put so it's, much pressure on ourselves. I know I do. Jeez. But I, it's funny that you said rainbows. Come, I literally yesterday or the day before my husband Chase was telling or I was telling him. Like, I wish I could just go and do something or and I, apparently I said it. I wish like fill in the blank like two or three times within like five or 10 minutes. And he was like, can, can we stop saying that? Like, can you stop saying that you wish that you could do this? Like, this is our life right now. This is what it is. And it really pissed me off because I mean, I think any mom can relate to like Chase's 
the most present dad of he's incredible. So this isn't like, he's very, very active, very hands-on. He stays at home with me because we run our business together. So he's as hands-on as can be, but I'm breastfeeding and yeah, but he's still a man. And when men say anything, well, yeah, but like, even, even if he wasn't the phenomenal dad that he is, like I'm still, I'm breastfeeding still every three hours. I'm the one waking up in the middle of the night. I'm the one that's doing the sleep training. I'm the one that is the default parent. Both boys need slash want and Eli's case me to be the one to put him to sleep. And so to be like criticized or judged, whatever word for saying, I wish I could go do whatever and almost feeling like I'm being lectured for that is like, yeah, that would piss any woman off. Fuck you. Like I was so mad. And I, and I literally said that about the rain. I said, you know what, Chase, I'm not going to have rainbows and sunshine coming out of my asshole all the time because this is hard. And quite frankly, I'm not super happy right now. And that's just like what it is. And that doesn't mean that I don't love my two boys and that I love being their mom. But like, like you said, I mean, you can't, it's not all rainbows and butterflies and sunshine all the time. But you're in the thick of it. I remember Megan and her husband took us, took me and Nick to Italy for our engagement and it was, which was amazing of them to do, but they (laughs) had, they had all three kids (laughs) And me and Nick, I remember like we just every day we went drinking and we just Uh walked the town and we did all the like cool Italian things. And every time we would see Megan and Peter, they both like their hair was just like, yeah, (laughs) like they had like bags under their eyes because all the kids were little. Yeah. And like I was just like, how in the fuck? Did they travel to Italy with three little kids? And after that, I was like, I don't know if I can have kids. Yeah. I was so scared. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, not because. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, because the because it was so hard. Like they were, and they were good. They're good kids. But it was, it was literally like herding cattle the entire time. Well, and Megan it's a- and Peter were just herding. Is it herding cattle or herding cats? cats. Herding cats. I never get sayings right work. in the history of my life. Like it was like hurting cats the whole time. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. little kids. Like it's, I can't even imagine having three little kids. I well, can't even imagine doing it. play for you of how different life would be. Oh yeah. But yeah. And now when we go anywhere with just Farah, we're like chickens with our fucking heads cut off because she's trying to climb the house and she's falling off the swing and she's fucking her, bashing her face into something like there. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you have two really little ones right now. Yeah. Like Eli's only not even three. Yeah. And why it's four months old. That's like, that's hard. Yeah. It is hard. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's go to another question before we just talk to Megan for two hours. I, I just want to say, Amy, I'm really happy that you had fun in Italy. <laughs> we, had the, <laughs> we had the best time. Kid <laughs> free, baby. It was the best time. I was so happy I didn't have kids then, but now I'm happy that I do. But yeah, it was like, oh my God, I don't know how they're doing three little kids. It was like miraculous that you guys made it alive. Um, it was smirk. <laughs> we had fun. It was not the same kind of fun as you. Fun. A different kind of fun. Yeah. I get that now. I mean, almost. I don't I, I don't get it with three kids, but okay. All right. Awesome. Um, I think a good one here is, is there anything that can be done to prevent postpartum depression um, or at least like decrease the likelihood or severity? Yes. I think that 
seeing a therapist, I might be biased, but helps if you feel like you're having any type of anxiety or depression during your pregnancy, before you have your pregnancy. Yeah. And especially after, because it's such a critical, vital time for moms and their babies. So I do think just having a sounding board is a way to prepare yourself for the potential of having postpartum anxiety or depression. Yeah. Self-care is really important. It's really hard to do that if you don't have a good support system around you. Um, Communicating with your partner about what you need. Yeah. You don't ask. They're not going to know. Yeah. Yeah. And damn it for that. I think women do. (laughs) Women do that a lot. We just expect them to know. And then Mm -hmm. we're mad at them when they don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Trying to figure out how to get outside support. Maybe that's, you know, Instacart. Mm. Or hiring someone to clean your house once a month if you can make that happen. Yeah. You know, just figuring out what you can do. I think a lot of moms are, especially since COVID, really struggle with finding finding people. I mean, I feel like a lot of moms are are commenting that they don't have a village. They don't have a, yeah. a mom group of friends. They don't have even one mom friend. I mean, how do you make friends if you're a mom and you and you're not like necessarily near people that you know or what would you recommend? Like I maybe kid, like what do you do? I mean, we were lucky because we, got we, lucky. we moved into a place where there were moms around. Mm-hmm. But like, I do hear a lot from these women that are like, I live not near family. Yeah. I live not near people. And I just don't have anyone. Yeah. Well, when we get asked all the time, like, how did y'all do it? And it kind of sucks yeah, to be just, like, we just, we it just like fell into our hands. Where we live is really like all kids and, and families. Yeah. But I mean, it's a challenge. I would seek out library classes yeah. or... Classes that you can sign up your 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 child for. Yeah, it's you know, true. It, it's a challenge if you're not in an area where it's easy yeah. to connect. Yeah. I, do we have any more questions? We have tons more questions, actually. I do have one more that I'm I'm super curious about. Um, you may have touched on this a little, but um, as far as. Um, like something that's causing it. This person says that weaning um, from, from breastfeeding um, was the lowest of low points of all of postpartum for her. Um, And so she's wanting to know, does this normally cause extreme emotional swings? Yeah. Your hormones are, your oxytocin is that love hormone that makes you bond with your baby. And then prolactin, which is a really calming, calming hormone actually drop when you start weaning. So if you already have postpartum depression, that can definitely exacerbate it, but then it becomes post weaning depression. Oh, wow. Interesting. That happened to me. I was very depressed um, when I weaned. Like it took, it took us about two weeks to wean. And then I went into a deep, like I cried every day through the whole process and she cried every day. I mean, it was really like, I never, cause I wanted to stop breastfeeding so bad. I, I really knew that I couldn't move on to the next chapter of my life with her until I ended that chapter. Like Mm -hmm. it was, it was really important for me. And I always, people always ask like how, 
how it's I'm always interested in how people wean because mm-hmm. everybody has a different it way. It is different for everyone. And what I did because nothing was working with her, she was um it was just all day pulling my shirt down, pulling my shirt up. Like anywhere we were, she was pulling my shirt yeah. aside and trying to nurse everywhere all the time. And it just got to the point where I was like, damn, like you're eating a lot of normal food. Like you don't need this. You're yeah. doing it for comfort the whole fucking day. Yeah. And she would just, it was nonstop. And so I tried to wean us down and and then something would happen. She had that hospital stay and I was like, I'm definitely not going to wean her now. And then she got sick again. She kept getting sick. And so I kept putting it. I feel like you just keep putting it off. Yeah. Because you don't want to wean a kid when anything traumatic is happening oh, yeah. or when any like really big um, life change or transition. And so I kept putting it off. And then I read an article after we got, after she was well for a while and she wasn't sick. And it was this mom who nothing worked for. And so she pretended that her boobs were... Um, they were boo-boos and she pretended that she was hurt mm-hmm. and she was like, honestly, I don't know if this is fucking traumatic or, <laughs> or this is going to cause like later trauma in my kid's life. She's like, but I don't know what else to do. And so she pretended they were boo-boos and that's what I did. I, I didn't know you found that from somebody else. I found it from an article and I weaned her down to just morning feeds because mornings were more important than nights for us. I don't know why. Um, most people like the last feed is the last thing they do is the night feed. We did how y'all we did last feed was morning. There's for, just something about the morning. The feed morning for us. feed was just like really like she got a lot out of it, and we and it was very um, very intimate and emotional and mm-hmm. whatever. So that was the last one I held on to. And then after we got down to just one feed a day, and this is me saying no all day. She's begging and begging. And oh God! And mommy's like boo boos, boo boos. And then I started telling her like. Yeah, mommy's, these are boo-boos and they hurt. And she was at the age, she was 16 months, so she was understood boo-boos. And she was like, oh, mommy hurt, like mommy's boo-boos. And I felt so guilty doing it, but it worked. And so, and then there were like a couple days where I wanted to go back on it because I was like, I craved it. And also my tits hurt so fucking bad. I was like, oh my God, I was like shooting milk just during the day, like having to shoot milk out. Mm. And I wanted her to nurse because I just wanted that like emotional high from it. Yeah. But I stayed strong and it took us two weeks and I cried every single day. And then I cried probably for two weeks after that. Is that a thing? You So you just said you crave the emotional high. Is that a thing that like will women hold on to breastfeeding for that? Since because it does release oxytocin. So like is that? Yeah. yeah, I feel like it definitely releases those feel good hormones and then it's also about endings yeah endings are hard for you yeah yeah and you know saying goodbye to that phase brings up a lot of emotion oh Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I can't even I used to take pictures and little videos for myself I can't even look at videos of us nursing without crying yeah it's so it's so emotional because also it's like that chapter they're never going to be that small mm-hmm. they're never going to need you the way they do yeah. when, when they're nursing i mean they're just not yeah they're never it's like they're it's their first i feel like it's their first step into independence yeah if yeah. you're if you're a nursing mom which a lot of people aren't yeah but for someone that does breastfeed it's like that one step where like even though it's so hard and it t- is so taxing and takes so much out of you it also represents how much they need you and the bond that you have. Yeah. So fucking hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Did you experience that? Uh, 
No, I actually really didn't. <laughs> you were like, I, bye. Well, no, I, I've, I feel weird that I didn't because I do think that most moms that I've talked to have. So it's odd to me that I didn't. We also, we, our weaning process was slow. I mean, like real slow. We dropped, I think we started with, we had, we never um, fed on demand. I'm, we did a a schedule. Yeah. yeah. And so we did six feeds a day. um, And so I would drop one feed a week. And so it took four weeks to get to the final two. And then I clung to those last two so hard. It was the morning and the night. I, I, I wasn't ready at that point. Um, and so, gosh, I hold, I held on to both of those for several more weeks and then eventually dropped the night and then held on to the morning feed for a couple more. So, I mean, when it was all said and done, we weaned for realistically probably three months. Yeah. And so I didn't experience pain because it wasn't cold Turkey. Like my supply kind of, I don't know, my body responded to it well. And I, the, the final feed, I, you know, I sobbed my, my eyes out, but he was ready and I had been working towards weaning for so long that I was, I was ready for it. Meg, did you breastfeed all three? I did. Yeah. Yeah. My sister-in-law breastfed for like three and a half years or something. Did you, how long did? <laughs> it, long. Long. Right around. <laughs> Yeah, and I think with my last, it was, I was like, this is, Uh, this is it. Was it hard? It was emotional, but I was also ready because it had been many, many years of breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was fully ready. You're ready. It feels good to get your body back. That's, well, for me, it, I was one of those women that, breastfeeding didn't make me lose weight. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I didn't get in shape, what I considered good shape for myself until I stopped breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. I was holding on to uh, weight. Yeah. Which my mom told me that she, you know, ever, all women, literally, when you look, when you talk about breastfeeding, everyone's like, oh, the weight falls off. It falls yeah. right off. And like, I was like waiting for that shit to happen. I was like, when is it going to fall It's not falling. <laughs> because I've been breastfeeding for fucking 16 months yeah. and it ain't going anywhere. And so I was just like, when is this going to happen? And then as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, I think a month later, I was, yeah. I, I dropped that 10 pounds that I was holding on to. Yeah. I do feel like it's one or the other. There's no like in between. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely not dropping the weight with breastfeeding. Yeah. And, and I also feel like I didn't return to myself till I was completely done breastfeeding. Agreed. Oh yeah. Agreed. I big time agree with that. And I don't think I realized it. My chase chase was ready for me to be done breastfeeding, not in a selfish way, but in a, like he saw how much it was taking. Yeah. Nick too. taking of me. And he knew that I didn't recognize that because yeah. I'd been doing it for, because um, we did it for 15 months and he just kept saying like, babe, like you don't know how much time this is taking from your, from you mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And it really, when I, I mean, probably within the first week of me stopping, I was like, Oh my God, yeah. that was all consuming. Once I got through the depression, I yeah. felt like that too. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. And Nick, the same way he was like, dude, you guys also, my child wouldn't bond with my husband at all yeah. until she was done breastfeeding. She wanted nothing to do with him because she only cared about yeah. me. 
And it until we stopped breastfeeding, she was like so mean to him. <laughs> well, you had the food and the comfort. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He could he couldn't compete. No. <laughs> That's another thing. Worthless they, nipples. they can't help you when you're breastfeeding. Men no. can't help you as much. There's really nothing they can do. Uh-huh. No, there's really not. I, oh, breastfeeding's so hard. Um, okay, we gotta wrap it up, but I wanna um is there anything else that you would like to say to kind of like wrap up this session? And we would love to have you back with more questions because I know that women are gonna we're gonna have other topics that we're gonna wanna tackle with you and need a professional opinion. But if you have anything more that you want to say about, about this, we would love to hear it. I think it's just really important to educate yourself. If you're experiencing intrusive thoughts and people are, women are scared to share this stuff. So it's really important to normalize it. And I love when celebrities normalize it. I know Chris, um, Chrissy Teigen, she normalized it big time. It's really good for, for women to understand that it's very common to experience something Yeah, after having a baby. And it doesn't mean you're going to hurt your baby if you're worrying about hurting. If it's distressing to you to think like that, then it's actually, there's no evidence that that would make you more likely, as yeah. I already said. So yeah, that's it's just really important. Know. It's really important for women to also not um, feel like they have to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I think we all struggle with that a lot. So much. Well, thank you so much. And um, we are going to see you guys next week. But this was psychotherapist Meg. And we're going to tag her. But it's unstuck with Meg. And she will be back to answer more questions about stuff. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thanks for having me. Love you. Thank you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Rock, rock, rock me, mama.